Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process. I, of course, am your host, Greg Wareham. Got a great guest for you today, Mr. Robert Costameris. Robert, yes. welcome. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. And uh, you started off lying, saying you have a great guest. So. <laughs> now, you're with M-I-O-Y-M Equities, correct? Yes, sir. Robert, what is that? Is that an acronym for something? It is. Uh, the founder, Mark Cox. Uh, okay. Very introspective person, very spiritual person. It sure. stands for mirror image of your mind. Take oh, pretty good. All yeah. right. I like that. Now, and you're the D Director of Investor Relations, and it's a private equity firm, yes, correct? Sir. Yep. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Robert, and then we'll get into what the company does. Well, I was born in... Oh, no. You don't want me to go back. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, I guess you could say I cut my teeth. Uh, I kind of hate when people say that, but I sure. cut my teeth on uh, Wall Street back in 2000. If you could picture what a boiler room looks like, we were completely legit. 100% above and board. Uh, we were Did they throw a, the Ferrari keys across the table? No Just Ferrari keys okay. that I saw. We, I was actually, we had a Long Island office, and they always talked about how there was Ferraris and all these big cars parked out there, yeah. but I worked in the city, so you don't see anybody's cars. Right. You see, uh, you know, oh, I took a cab instead of the uh, the um, the subways. Sure. So uh, I was always interested in that. I never got to see that because 9-11 came and knocked yeah. out that building. But um, sure. yeah, so uh, I started in Wall Street. I mean, I, I walked in for this interview and it's funny because I was uh, DJing before that. You could all laugh okay. you know, as you'd like. And yeah, we will later. <laughs> yeah, no, We're I know. Get a oh, 100%. Later. I laugh on myself. <laughs> I accept it though. I accept it. Uh, it was a great job, man. I, pay, I made a lot of money in sure. three days of work and I didn't have to work the rest of the week. So it was right. great for me. But I just came to the point where I needed to do something real. And for those that aren't watching on YouTube, I was holding up air quotes when I said real. So I answered an ad for a stockbroker trainee job, yeah. uh, got licensed, um, started off cold calling. My career really evolved. I was 21 years on Wall Street. Okay. And um, I went from slinging stock, cold calling, to I partnered up with one of the guys that I started out in the business with. We took our test on the same day. Mm -hmm. um, we studied together. Um, we really, we didn't partner up right away, but we were always, you know, right near each other at all times. And, um, there was one point where, uh, he, I think he brought it up to me where we should, said we should start doing seminars. Okay. So, um, I went more the financial advisor route and doing this is where I learned that educating people in what they're doing helps you sell yeah. so much more. And it makes it so much easier to educate people. Um, in what they're doing. I'm going off on a tangent. No, no, no. We're apologize. both really like-minded on that. I couldn't agree with you more. Education's kind of the key to everything. Yeah, I love selling, but if you educate people and you help them more, yeah. um, it uh, it helps you sell sure. um, a lot easier. And that's what I learned with uh, financial advising. And that's when we started bringing a lot more assets. And it was 2007, 8-ish. And um, we had a whole seminar schedule planned out. And um, he goes... You know, I think it was at April. I forget the exact date when the market plunged like a thousand points. Right. He goes, we just got to get on the phones. We'll just cancel these seminars. And I just looked at him. I go, no, I just had my daughter. I just bought an apartment, my first ever apartment. Sure. And we also bought an investment property at the same time. Okay. So it's like. Yeah, you got a couple of things up in the Yowza. air. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, I looked at him. I go, no, we got to go full fledged with this. That's it. And uh, right. we did raise more money that year than we had ever raised. That's great. Um. And uh, our business really took off from there. And then uh, then in 2011, 
Um, we started a broker dealer ourselves with two other partners that we had started in the business with. And sure. it's uh, to this day, it's in existence. I'm no longer there. Just uh, right. in 2015, my partner moved down to Orlando, gave up his book, of bu- our book of business. And then I was running the broker dealer. We had 150 reps in five different states. That's a big operation. Yeah. 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 So um, sure. uh, it was, you know, run this book of business, run the firm. I tried doing it for a little bit. It was a little too much. I couldn't get my feet on the ground. So I had sold my book to the uh, the business, and then we worked out a different pay arrangement because I was okay. commission only, and then uh, we're running the firm. And then uh, myself and one of the senior partners um, ran the firm for another eight years or so. Mm-hmm. And um, I wouldn't say I got bored, but if you have ever managed salespeople, it's a little... I've uh, been managing for 25 <laughs> years. It's a little... Uh, <laughs> It's a blessing, but yeah, you got to have a lot yeah, of patience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love sales guys because they're, 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 they're yeah. usually go-getters. They're outside-the-box thinkers, but they're not sure. the most uh, go-getters when it comes to their business and doing stuff. So I kind of got a little sick of that. So fast forward, I send out a text to about 20 different people, um, close friends of mine, just saying, hey, I need, uh, you know, can anybody introduce me? I'm looking for something new. And uh, it's Mark Cox, the owner of my own. Okay. Called me back before the phone hit the table. That's not even an exaggeration. It's the truth. Okay. I see him calling, and it's kind of like, all right, I sent you a text. I don't really need a call. So I wasn't going to answer it, but then I answered, and he's like, I want you to come work for me. I'm like, Mark, you can't afford me. He goes, I can afford you. Just can you meet me for something, coffee, drinks, lunch, whatever? Sure. I was like, all right, I'll meet you. And uh, he told me his whole operations and what he was doing. I was literally, my jaw was on the table while Hmm. we're eating lunch. And uh, I was like, I. I was like, yeah, but where do I fit in? So what they are is a distressed asset private equity firm. They focus on single family residential. Mm-hmm. I go, I know nothing about real estate. You know, I had an investment property. I mean, that was a disaster to say the least. Learning experience, but sure. a disaster in my opinion. It happens. You got to know what you're doing. Well, you know? so my wife yeah, yeah. said, my, 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 for a while, my wife was angry over it, as I'm sure my partner's wife was as well. We were sure. putting so much time and money into it. I kind of flipped the script and I said, you know what? I go, this is one of the most expensive learning processes that sure. I'm going to go through. I'm going to make it worth my while. So I learned about it. I knew you know, how to get an engineer to come in and look at stuff, how to, the, the home inspector, what's the home inspector doing, what's this, how, what's the home look like, where is it located, sure. you know, things of that nature. So I learned a lot from that. Um, and uh, that's why I said to Mark, I was like, I, you know, I'm very interested in real estate, but I know nothing about it. He goes, sure. how about this? You help me raise money for my business? I'll bring you in and I'll teach you all about the real estate world that you don't right. know. Right. Now, when you look at the, the equity company that, that you're with right now, what specifically do you guys do? So uh, Mark had designed a um, proprietary technology. And when I say proprietary, he did design it, but it's okay. actually a culmination of information that comes in. It's a, a multi-state MLS systems. It's um, uh, different industries like um, programs where he gets the raw data and he combs, he doesn't, the technology combs through the data looking for properties that are coming to the marketplace at a 60% discount. Hmm. And then it pops up on, it actually sends them out an offer. Uh, I think it's like 5%. Yeah, let me, let me back up for a little yes, bit sir? on that, uh, Rob. So, all right. So there's a proprietary software. It's got different algorithms. It'll go, the spiders go out to different places. And they, the key is to identify properties that are selling 60% under market value. Now, is it generally like an REO property? Is it a foreclosure? 
Because it's probably not listed yes. on the MLS it's, most of the time. Uh, both of those. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, some are. Okay. Uh, whether if somebody's going through a divorce, uh, somebody died, passed away, something of that nature. Sure. That's when it pops up on the MLS. Uh, more so than you think, it does pop up on the MLS. Okay. But yes, REOs are big uh, division. That's what I was going to get into in a second. Is we have a team of analysts. It's four individuals. Two are uh, responsible for evaluating the properties that the system sends out offers to making sure a it's a real property b it's not too dilapidated mm. um, and that we can actually do something with it sure and um, also making sure that it's a property not just land because a lot of times you know land will pop up sure there and the technology doesn't know that there's not an actual what i don't know what the real estate world what says it um yeah, it's an, dwelling not an actual on dwelling yeah, structure yeah, yeah, yeah. on it yeah structure so they actually do their own analysis. They're also making sure all the comps that the system provided sure. are real. And believe it or not, a lot of them are hmm. not even close to. So I'm right. going to back I'm back you up a little bit. So to get a clear understanding on it. So the system's automatically looking for properties that are distressed that we can get significantly under market value. Once the system identifies one of these properties, it automatically generates an offer that gets sent out to purchase the property. Yes, sir. Correct? Yep. So now once the offer has been sent out to purchase it, we then, because I would imagine a lot of them are in bad condition, right? You get yes. Yeah. Foreclosures mm -hmm. are in bad condition. There's going to need to have work performed on the property to make it resellable. So once that offer is accepted, is that the time you do your due diligence and send a human being out to the property to look at it? Yeah, once the offer goes out by the system, that's where the technology okay. ends. Got uh, it. It pops up on a spread on a um, on a spreadsheet on our, the. She's the manager of all the REO division. Okay, uh, pops up on her mm -hmm. desk and she gives it to the analyst and says, "Take a look at these properties. What are we looking at? Mm -hmm. What is it worth now?" Right. What's the after repair value on the property? And is it all in line with what the system is looking at right now? And mm -hmm. if it all lines up, then we get contractors to go out to it. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll rewind in a second. Yeah. But it's part of the offer. We'll get contractors to go out. Once we have three contractors going out, they're FaceTiming with our construction department. We have a home inspector go out simultaneously. We put mm. a statement of work together, and then we go out. And I'm getting way ahead of it. I know I'm going a little fast. No, 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 no. I appreciate that. Um, that's, so that's, all right. that's how the process basically works. And then assuming everything falls into line, we'll go through with that offer if they do accept it. Got it. Um, just because we're in contract, and I know a lot of people won't like this, but it doesn't mean we're going to fully commit to it. But if it doesn't fall in line with what we're looking for, sure. back out right away. Okay, that makes sense then. So the system's going to identify something. Then once it's identified, the SWAT team goes into motion. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. All right, let's figure out what's what this is really worth. Let's get three people out there, contractors out there, to evaluate what the cost to cure would be yep. on the property to resell it. And then we can officially go under contract. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. That's exactly how it so. Works. So now when you look at the contractors that go out there, I mean, I, I was reading you do business in 42 different states. Uh, it's really 38 states. Okay. We, we're, we're looking for uh, properties in 42, but 38 are our main ones. And then of those 38, um, we're really looking for metro areas, sure. um, like kind of like tier two cities like um, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's one of our yeah. biggest ones. Uh, Minneapolis. It's a great area, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Well, day. I mean, family so, lives out there. Funny story. Yeah. My business partner and I, we, <laughs> this is one of the worst business trips we've ever been on. <laughs> and uh, Matt, if you're listening, he'll probably uh, give a thumbs up to this just okay. for the story alone. So we go out there. We had a client, a pretty decent sized client. And uh, 
we're like, hey, we're going to come out there. And usually when we go out to an area, I set three or four appointments over a two or three day period just to make it worthwhile. If one doesn't pan out, sure. you know, we have a couple others that make it worthwhile. This gentleman says, we're like, hey, if you can get a seminar together, you know, we'll treat everybody. We'll, you know, take everybody out to a nice dinner. We'll do a quick presentation and, um, you know, we'll, you know, try and take care of you some way, shape or form. Because mm -hmm. in the financial world, you really can't pay anybody to do it. Sure. But, you know, we could lower our commissions and stuff like that. So he was like, sure, I'll do it. Over a three month period of time, he's like, I got. 20 or 50 people. I'm not exactly sure. It's a good range. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, for us, this was like shooting fish in a barrel. Sure. We're like, great. I stopped looking for other clients to go see. So I think I had one other appointment in the area. So we go see him earlier in the day. We go to see his business and we're driving around Pittsburgh. Like, Jesus Christ, this place is horrible. And no offense to anybody that's in Pittsburgh. It's uh -huh. not like this anymore. But I mean, it was desolate. I mean, buildings just shut down. Light just flashing three light. Red, yellow, green lights just flashing just to go because there was no traffic anymore. Okay. Um, it was it was like very depressing to be in. And so we were talking to him and he was uh started off in manufacturing for steel. That's why he's yeah. in Pittsburgh. Uh now he got into something else. I forgot what he was doing. I think he was a welder or something. I forgot what he did. And um so we go to his office, little trailer, nice little office. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh great. So how many people? We got a reservation at that restaurant you told us about. We got the whole back room. He goes, yeah, so um, I think we're down to about five people. So in my head, I'm like, man, five people. It's right, we're here. Let's great. go. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He's like, oh, so we'll see you at 6 o'clock. Great. Shake hands. My partner, I go back to the hotel. We're getting changed. I'm like, he's like, wow, it's only five people. I'm like, yeah, but it's still five people. It's sure. great. We get to the restaurant. One person. Oh. One person with him and his wife at this huge table for almost 15 people. Uh. <laughs> well, did he buy? I think he did do something, <laughs> okay, yeah. but it wasn't anything major. Sure. It wasn't, you know, sure. anything to move the needle. So, uh, yeah, we didn't have the best. But now, getting back to Pittsburgh, yeah. uh, now a lot of the casinos, a lot of the uh, uh, software companies have moved in. And, yeah, yeah Pittsburgh's uh, booming. So Beautiful. So it's a beautiful city where you can still, and it's an affordable city. Yeah. And in that area. The houses aren't too crazy. Right. They're still, you know, reasonably priced and a lot more so because of what happened with the steel industry. I had uncles that worked in the steel industry. So my, my parents met in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And... My, where my dad's originally from is this town called Sharon, Pennsylvania, which is about 50 miles north of Pittsburgh. And it was a steel town. And it, Westinghouse was the other big player in that area. And when the steel business went, when they went out of business, it just shut down the economy. Yeah. Really is a shame. Like, and what, know. you know, you figure there's steel workers in there that have been working generations in there and it's just, there's nowhere to work. I know. It's and the craziest thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to see that Pittsburgh's kind of recovered from that, but some of those other rural areas outside that were depending on steel, they still haven't recovered. Yeah. Well, you have like, uh, you have Ohio too. Yeah. Who, um, I forget what business was in Ohio, but, uh, now you see they put the chip act in place and they're putting yeah. software companies out in Ohio. So, that should be good for them as should well. Should be, yeah. Ohio's a big one for us. Um, outside of Chicago and the suburbs, a big one for us. Mm -hmm. And um, in Texas, uh, pretty much any of the cities. Okay. Because they're spiderwebbed. Sure. Uh, as opposed to, I grew up in the tri-state area, so, I mean, as you know, you have New York City, right. and then you have New Jersey, so it's totally different. I'm not used to these cities that have suburbs right on the outskirts. Yeah, that's like part of the actual city. Yeah, like we were talking about Boston earlier. Yeah. Boston's one of the ones. I went to school in Boston, so it was weird for me to Where'd see. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Mount Ida College. All right, yeah. I don't. In, it's in Boston? Uh, Newton. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I never... 
if people are from Boston, I tell them Newton. Yep. But you know, if they're not, I say I went to school in Boston. Yeah. I grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Home of Marvin Hagler and Rocky Marciano. For those that don't know, that's what we're known for. <laughs> <laughs> Great middle class uh, town uh, growing up going, there. Going to Boston so, was a uh, shell shocking for me coming from the tri-state area. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Boston's yeah. fantastic. Oh, now, my oh, me and my wife country. Yeah. love going up there now. Like every like, Twice a year, we like to go up there just to get away. Yeah. No, it's so beautiful. Nice. Yeah. So now when you identify a property, it's always single family homes. Correct. Yes. Yep. Is there a particular model of home? Like, do we look at bi levels or split levels, colonials, or is just anything that's a single family? Generally, single family, but the ones that we um, mainly focus on are usually bi level, but okay. we don't discriminate. Yeah, yes, because it kind of makes sense to yeah. me. If you have a model that you're going after, now all the contractors are familiar with that type of a property. Yeah. So it also depends on where you, you buy, too. Right. So, different areas have different types of homes. Okay. Like in Pittsburgh, um, there's the the bi level or colonial, if you will, and then they have uh, single uh, level ones as well. So mm -hmm. it's, there's nothing really in between, like around here in the tri state area, you have a bula base of uh, homes to choose from, but uh, right. yeah, you don't have that um, in other areas. So, you know, you had, you had mentioned before, so you go out to Pittsburgh to meet with some clients, it's really investors that, that we're looking for, correct? Yeah. So now, as an investor, so just to kind of review the model really quickly, We've, we locate a property. We once it's located, the SWAT team goes into effect <laughs> to kind of figure everything out and really validate it. We get contractors out to the property to put some different quotes together, so we know exactly how much the entire acquisition is going to cost with the build on well, it. Well, let me let me let me just yeah, cut you please. off right there. Is the contractors will give us what they think, but because they're FaceTiming us, we usually deal with one contractor, whoever gets in there first and can FaceTime because sure. a lot of them don't want to do that for us. Um, uh, uh, our contracting department will take what the contractors give us, pull that out, but also what they see as well. We have a program. I forget the name of the program. We just switched it a couple months ago. So I don't, it was PRM something. I forgot what it was, but it kind of tells us what a two by four costs in New York, what a two by four costs in Dallas, Texas, what Pretty it costs good. in California and the cost of inputting it in as well. <clears throat> we put the work in that our contract or construction department thinks that we need, mm. sends it back out to all three contractors and says this is our scope of work this is what we want done and this is the price we're willing to pay now you're kind of going back to these contractors and you know yeah let's say one out of three of them is kind of like no i'm not interested yeah. the other two are willing to work with you so hmm. we're kind of like trying to control it but also trying to work with the contractors yeah that's well. really interesting so we got a software that actually tells us what the cost of the raw material is by area yeah Right. Yeah. And it actually didn't really occur to me that the cost of a two by four in New York City is different than the cost of a two by four in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. I would imagine the cost of construction, the actual workers time yeah. is, a, is a lot different. Yeah. You know, especially it's a particularly challenging model, I would think, over the covid years. Because there's just so many contractors are so busy, right? So it probably pushes the cost up from a contracting standpoint, I would imagine. Yeah, COVID kind of like slowed down a little bit for okay. us because um, just because of the lending would dried up. There was nothing to be, nobody was really, we sold a couple of properties. Okay. Uh, but we couldn't buy too many properties. Yeah, it makes sense. everything was through the roof and... It was tough to get people in there. It was yeah. only for a couple of weeks, though. It wasn't yeah. over too long. Makes sense. Well, I mean, as, and as the supply chain kind of uh, gets better, everything just becomes more profitable, yeah. I would imagine. Yep. Right now, the yep. costs yeah. are going down. Yeah. We're in an interesting time now because interest rates are so high, mm. and 
housing prices are so high. Right. Um, the one thing we have going for us is that there is no supply. So it's kind of an interesting time where we got to wait for the housing prices to come down to kind of match the interest rates. I'm going off on a whole tangent. Yeah, no, no, I I get it, Rob. So I was reading as well, uh, there was some information on home ownership and the properties are sold to first-time home buyers using government-backed loans. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we don't buy a property um, or we try not to buy properties. We have properties that are over this, but we try to keep the properties capped at 750000 because uh, the FHA loan requirements, <clears throat> they'll only fund you up to seven fifty. I think it went up to eight hundred yeah, just recently. And you would know about that more so than I would. Um so we try to keep it there for the simple sake that, uh, for the simple reason that uh, Mark, when he first started, he started off in Baltimore. <clears throat> so he's buying homes that were in like the $50,000 range. Sure. Fixing them up, selling them off for $150,000, $200,000. I mean, he was making money hand over fist sure. for that time. And um, he'd be fixing up the home. He'd be fixing up the neighborhood. But, you know, the people who would be able to afford the property to get in there, he's really not helping the neighborhood in, the neighborhood in any way. And, just a little rewind. Mark grew up in, I think it was Brooklyn, and really didn't come from much. So he wanted to find a way to not only give back to the neighborhood, but give back to the people that are part of the neighborhood yeah. as well. And the way he does that is our first time home buyer program. And it's a rent to own um, model. And basically, what we have people do is, and you'll know this in the mortgage business, is people who don't have bank approved credit scores, let's say like sure. in the 600s mm-hmm. in this time frame. Um, but they have a job, they <clears throat> really don't have any bad credit, they just don't have great credit, um, we'll take them on, we'll have them rent for anywhere between three, six, nine, twelve months, we'll use that money as a down payment for the house, we'll say they have, whatever, 20%, I think it's only, what's the first time home buyer? It's, it's You're three and a half percent yeah, down. Yeah. So they don't have to have much, but they'll have more than that for the down payment, we'll take that sure. off the price, and then we'll get them into their home. They're happy, we're happy, and, you know, he's giving back to the neighborhood. Now, if do you, you do that all the time? We try to. We're, we're, we are a private equity firm. Yeah, so well, you we got to make, make money. money. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we'll list it simultaneously with the rent-to-own market on apartments.com, and we'll also uh, have a realtor list it. And for all the realtors out there, we're letting them know that we're doing this at the same time. I, I got to go a little deeper on this because I'm really starting to like yeah. this model. Yeah. So you've now rehabbed the property, and then the intent is, can I rent the property to someone allow this part of their rent go towards their down, their three and a half percent down they're going to need for an FHA mortgage yep. because you could do it. And then we sell them the property. Yep. So not only have we returned a good return on investment for the investor, but we've done the right thing. Yeah. And yeah. we've tried to provide home ownership for people that, that need it. Yep. Yep. That, that, so, uh, yes, but what we're also doing too, and it's kind of, Making us sound like you know we're doing God's work here. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're helping them build their credit score. So uh, because we're reporting the rent to their credit score, so that they get it fixed up, so for future uses they have a better credit score as well. So now then, uh, uh, that's that's fantastic. So now when they go in on the rent to own type of situation, we've already negotiated what the sales price is going to be. It's going to be what we're asking for. They okay, don't really, it, it, makes sense. They're, they're happy yeah. to just be able to purchase a home. Yeah, and it's a fair price, right? So we get a fair price. Here's the market value. We allow them to build some equity. How much of their rent payment goes towards their down payment? Pretty much the whole thing, because whatever we're getting, we're making anyway. So it's um, right. We we usually start the process early, though. So it's within the first couple of months. So we're only showing what 
two or three months. But yeah. so just to rewind a little bit, yeah. just touching on what you said with the rent is uh, something that uh, Mark had learned through COVID was to underwrite for appreciation is obviously the ultimate goal. I mean, obviously we want to get in there and fix a house and sell it off for exactly what we're looking for. But yeah. it's not always the case. And we found out in COVID, you might have, you know, have to play around with that a little bit. So he started underwriting for income. And what he's doing is he's learning how much he could make once it's fixed up what the area is getting because let's just it doesn't matter what you put into it you're only sure. going to get a certain amount of rent um and he needs to f see if it's a viable option for him to purchase because if the rent is something that would cover the mortgage and then some he'll do it but if it doesn't we back out of it and ever since we've been underwriting for income and now fast forward to now in inflationary times where the fed's raising rates yeah it's helping us because now investors are saying well what happens if you can't unload the property it doesn't matter because we're refinancing the property at the 12 month mark, regardless of what happens, we're right. refinancing it. We're giving, we're getting the investor out with their money plus their return. And then we go to, uh, we'll take out the mortgage and then we'll simultaneously look for renters, somebody to rent to own or somebody to purchase the property. So now that with the initial, I was looking through some of the numbers. So you have the initial investment plus the cost, mm -hmm. right? To renovate the property. Now, who do, and, and I was reading in there that for the for the cost of the property, on your end, you guys will finance up to ninety percent of that, mm -hmm. right? Who's like the company? Do you work with a company that handles that from a mortgage standpoint? We have a couple lenders. Okay. It's more hard money. But yeah, we have lines sense. of credit, so it's not exactly hard money, but okay. it's hard money in the sense that we have a twelve month loan. It's interest only. rates and points. Right, 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 right. But it's a steady rate so like while yeah. the rates are going up our yep. rates not going up so okay. it's still what we pay makes sense so we have two companies we use and then we have a, a couple others that we use on the side and then we're trying to finance some of our properties as well as a company then pay ourselves back a little bit lower of a rate and then they they also finance 100 percent of the construction cost yeah it. it's up to 85 to 90 percent of the acquisition price Got uh it. and then 100 percent of the rehab okay so then you could technically be borrowing over 90% of the value of the property with the rehab portion of it. Yeah, it comes out to okay. be like about 95, 97%. So we're in that, we renovate it. Then at the end of that 12-month mark, you're going to refinance that property anyway yeah. to get out of that loan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. So, we're, so what the investor is uh, putting in is essentially the cash to close, and it's not what it sounds. They're paying for the... 10 to 15% of acquisition costs that the, uh, the lender doesn't cover. They're paying for closing costs, um, legal costs, and any carrying costs that the loan may incur. And generally, our niche market for the investor is around the fifty dollars to $80,000 per property okay. um, amount. About that. There's less, and then there's more. From the investor standpoint. From the investor. From the investor. And then for that, okay. we give 20% as of January 1st of 2023. It's going to go down to 17.5 just because of what's going on with the interest rates. Okay. And that's a guaranteed rate, rate of return? Guaranteed as long as we're in business, yeah. Huh. And actually, every 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 uh, form of documentation comes with a uh, personal guarantee from Mark, the founder of the firm. Okay. So now let's just say this market shifts drastically, mm -hmm. and we know that, and we haven't put anyone in there on the rent-to-own yet, and the market depreciates. So that 20% is first paid out to 17.5%, moving into 2023, it's going to be paid out to the investor first. Mm -hmm. And if that means that... You know, Mark doesn't make any money on it. Then Mark doesn't make any money on Correct. it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I had conversations with him. But I come from the securities world, as I mentioned. So for somebody to say that, it was like, "What do you mean you don't make any money?" He's like, "Yeah, I don't make any money." 
So there's two parts to this. So okay. he, he was saying, yeah, I'd rather pay out somebody and have them make their money and have a client for life than to have somebody, you know, get pissed because I couldn't pay them back the other return. Even though they get their principal back, I'd rather them be happy. Sure. The other side of that is when he says he doesn't make money, instead of making 200000 he's making 75000 Right. It's still America. Yeah, the real estate world's a little bit different than the securities industry. Yeah, it makes so, sense. Yeah. All right, so Mark, we're, or, uh, I'm sorry, Rob, we're going to go to a quick break on everything. So Greg Wareham and Rob will be right back at you. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to thank today's sponsor, Myome Equities. And here's Rob's going to tell us a little bit about the company. My own equities. What we are is a distressed asset private equity firm. Basically, what we do is we focus on single family residential and we offer investors a way to earn 17.5% return annualized. Basically, it's a fix it. We are a fix and flip firm. We'll go out there and we'll give access to investors to purchase real estate without any of the headache. We have proprietary technology that uncovers properties that come to a marketplace at a 60% discount. We go in there, we clean up the property, we, we look to sell the property. And one of the good things about Myome is we look to sell the property to a first-time homebuyer through an FHA loan, get a first-time homebuyer who didn't think they were going to be able to buy a property into a home, give them the home buying experience, give them the home that they're looking for. And then we do this all while offering investors uh, within 12 months a 17.5% return. So our website is uh, Myome. Dot com. It's M is in Mary, I is in India, O is in Oscar, Y is in Yankee, M is in Mary. I probably should say mirror image of your mind, and that would be a lot easier to say. But uh, <laughs> M-I-O-Y-M.com is one of the best ways. Okay. Uh, or you could simply call me, which I know a lot of people don't. But What's your cell number? Uh, 914-400-7980. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Of course, I'm your host, Greg Wareham at Your Mortgage Process. We have Rob Costamaris. Rob, are you Greek? I am. I am. Is, are you 100% Greek? No. Nope. Greek, Italian, Scottish, and Welsh. Now, all right. So you had your DNA test on. Yeah. How did that break down percentage-wise? I'm in the system. They know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> the CIA can set me up at any time. That's uh, right. What was that? I'm sorry. So what's the breakdown for you? So I thought it was going to be more Greek and Italian, but it's pretty much even uh, with the Greek and Italian. Okay. And then, um, funny enough, my grandfather's parents... My great-grandfather came to the United States. His name was Euripides. Okay. It doesn't get more Greek than yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's pretty Greek. My grandfather's name was Socrates. Socrates. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, swear to God. Um, he married a uh, Scottish woman. Interesting. So my great-grandmother was uh, Scottish. Now, did you know you had any Scottish in you? So from my mother's side, this is where it gets interesting. Yes, because she was very waspy, if you will. <laughs> and... Uh, um, I thought I was Irish just by skin color and everything sure. and did the DNA test and it just came out. Uh, I think I might be um, from England as well, but that okay. falls into the Welsh and Scottish side. Um, so yeah, it was pretty interesting to see the breakdown um, from Ancestry.com and the more yeah. detailed it gets, which at first I was kind of like, ah, it's BS. Right. And, um, but now the more technology that they have to find it, it keeps changing at yeah. all times. I got to get another one done. I had one done like, 15 years ago when it first came but are out. are you on the app on Ancestry? No, I don't even remember who I had it done with. <sighs> I got it done because, you know, you, you grow up with the propaganda of what you are. Half Italian, half Irish, right? That's what I was yes. told. So I get the test done. 42% Italian, 
a 9% Irish, and then See, everything else is like uh, Eastern European. I don't even know what Eastern European is. Well, but it's like... Um, like German and those... Uh, yeah, Croatian, Cro- uh, Albanian, Yugosla- Yeah, Yugoslavian. Right, I'm going to run with that. my wife's family. Shout out to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my wife had it done. She thought she was half Italian, half Dutch. She's actually half Maltesian and Ooh, half Dutch. And for those of you that don't know, Malta's an island <laughs> off the coast of Italy. So yeah, she's Maltesian, the Maltesian princess. Uh, that is interesting. She so I'll, be, I'll, I'll go. Fortunately, one. she won't listen to this, or she'd probably punch me when I get home. <laughs> Maltesian. Princess. So it's a regular day that ends in Y. <laughs> so, um, funny enough, growing up, my grandmother was Italian. Uh, they uh, lived in a um, brownstone in Hoboken. Entire family was in there, and uh, my grandfather had stopped speaking to his family. Okay. Apparently, that's what Greeks do. I didn't know about it. Yeah, it and happens. Um, yeah, so they hold uh, grudges. Yeah, I. It's a known thing. I did not know this, <laughs> and um, uh, uh, so I thought I was Italian and then Irish. That's or English or whatever right. my mother had told me. And then somebody at school, I must have been 15, 16, might have been a little bit older, but old enough to know what you should be. Right. It's like, oh, isn't your name Greek? And I was like, what? No, it's Italian. They're like, no, it's not. It's in an IS. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Well, and you can't be 100% Italian because you're too tall. No. Well, I mean, he's sitting down. Rob's sitting down right now. He's 6'5". Yeah, yeah. So he's six, way four, too tall. 6'4 and three quarters. Yeah, you shrunk. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an off-air conversation. Yeah, that's what the nurse asked me. All right, so I'm going to uh, come back in. Let's. St- I want to talk about the model again, go through the numbers in a, mm-hmm. in a little more detail. So, all right, so we buy a house. Let's say we buy a house for 400000 Actually, I'm going to use this example we have here. We buy a house for 317500 It's about 100000 in renovation. That gives us an acquisition cost of about 417000 You Which guys all, are going to— all the ahead. investors know exactly— what the breakdown of each property that they're investing in looks like, because they're going to get a spreadsheet of each property and okay. how it could look prior to Oh, so you get one of these it. spreadsheets yep. on everything. That's fantastic, yep. before yep. you make the yep. investment. Yep. And really, you guys are holding the note on it. So then the consumer or the investor is going to be responsible for what, Rob? Uh, they're responsible for the equity, as I mentioned earlier, that fifty to 80000 um, generally consists of, as I said before, the... Closing costs, the cash, which the the lender doesn't cover, yep. uh, legal fees, ca- uh, carrying costs, and any closing costs that may incur. And for that, we pay the twenty percent up until January first, and then seventeen and a half after that. So to kind of uh, put that into perspective, if the investment is a hundred thousand dollars, as an example, then the return on that that you would expect in a twelve month time frame is seventeen and a half percent or seventeen thousand five hundred. Yep. Okay. Exactly. It. Now, in before. There's any money earned from your equity company, the investor is always paid out first in case the market shakes up a little bit. Yeah. So the lender has the 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 debt is the primary mm-hmm. note holder, and then the uh, the investor is secondary to that. But what's interesting about what we do is because we buy them at such a low low price, yeah. is we're looking at the properties that are very undervalued or priced undervalued, I should say. Um, Generally, when we close, there's equity. So God forbid something goes wrong with it or we're not going to move forward. There's usually equity in it where we can get the lender out and then we could either say we're going to wholesale the property and just get rid of it yep. or we'll uh, take it on ourselves some way, shape, or form. But the the note is the first, um, has first position 
and then they Makes invest sense. their second position. But we treat it as a preferred. It's not a preferred, but we treat it as preferred because the investor is getting okay. Anything before us? No, no, no. Make, that makes sense. So, and you've done over six hundred properties. I was reading. Uh, that's all that he'll commit to. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> Has any have any of them went bad? Have you ever not paid the investor? No, not once. Okay. No, no. The properties have gone bad. Yes, but we've always paid investors. And uh, Mark has uh, made it upon himself. And as we got into before, this is a kind of like a hard one for me to swallow. Is he says that he coming from the securities industries, he'd rather do good by the investor and have an investor for life or through a couple of properties or just mm-hmm. through a couple of years while they're, whenever they're willing than to not pay somebody what they're owed. And when they say what they're owed, it's principal plus return, not sure. just their principal. It makes sense. It's giving somebody their money back after a year. It's time value of money. You're not making any money. On and it. is it is it one year? Is that the time it's frame? 12 months. Okay. I've implemented uh, up to 24 months since I've come on board. Okay. Um, no one's really taken it yet. They... They'll take it at 12 months and then go into another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they have up to 24 months and they'll continue to earn uh, the per monthly rate. Um, so if you opted for 24 months, it's a 17.5% return per year for two years. Was that 34? Yeah, it's a big number, yeah. 35%. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So so that's fantastic. I mean, from an investment standpoint, it, it sounds, uh, sounds great. I, I just want to go back a little bit to this rent-to-own thing mm-hmm. because it really hits... To me personally, right? I I love the fact that the way Mark and you have this company set up is that once this property's rehabbed, we're trying to rent this property out to someone who really needs home ownership. We try to, if they have a credit issue, we rehabilitate their credit. Now we obviously verify their income and everything like that and try to put them in a position through the rent payments they're making to have a down payment to purchase this house from you at a pre-negotiated purchase price. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And That's getting fantastic. back to what I had said originally is um, when Mark started out in Baltimore, um, he saw he's fixing up the neighborhood, but he wasn't right. doing anything for the people in the neighborhood. Right. And, you know, if you get into the whole gentrification and everything, it's basically what he was doing, but he wasn't looking to do that. So he wanted to kind of give back a little bit and help people get into properties that normally that either they thought they couldn't own or because of bank, uh, you know, we know how stringent, you know, sure. Typical banks can be if they don't get creative in well, their underwriting. Plus it keeps the inherent people in the community, yeah. right? Yeah. Cause they, gentrification can be a great thing to rehabilitate an area, Oh yeah, but you're always forcing out the people that have been there historically. Right. Right. right? And this gives the opportunity. And what, I'm sorry to cut you no, off. One thing that I've learned is, and I've only learned this since I've gotten onto Wall Street and I'm helping people. And I'll talk at the high, high level of professionals like architects, lawyers, entrepreneurs, like they don't know about money. Right. And then when you get down to the lower end where people aren't making money, they don't know about how to supplement their income or how to do different things or how to get creative yeah. into getting themselves into a home. Yeah. Um, you know, purchasing a car that they normally wouldn't be able to purchase. And I'm not talking about over leveraging themselves. I'm just saying just different ways of going about it. In the big chat, I was just having this conversation with a, with a mortgage executive uh, yesterday because we really want to put together a program for the schools that give some sort of level of financial literacy. <sighs> the so challenge crazy. is they just, they don't teach it. Yeah. You, you just don't teach it. And at whatever level, whether or not it's high school or even before that, People that go through our public school system have no idea how to manage money. I didn't even know how to write a check when I was old enough. You know, my father right. opened a checking account for me, but never really 
I wouldn't say allowed me to use it, just never introduced me to it. Yeah. I didn't really knew, know how it worked. Maybe he gave me one little overview, but it wasn't you know enough so it stuck. Um, sure. You know, I didn't have that. And, you know, I grew up in a pretty decent town. My father was a doctor, but yeah. we weren't allowed to ask how much money he made. Um, mm-hmm. It was an insult to him. In fact, in fact, just going back on that, uh, the house next to him when we were looking for house, we already lived in Jersey, I think. I don't know. Um, anyway, the house next to him went up for sale. And I was like, oh, it's a cool house. So I was like, you know what? Let's take a look at it. It was a nice house on the inside. So sure. I was like, you know what? Let's make an offer on it. So next to a doctor. Yeah, well, you know, it's still my father. So I made an offer, and um, I kind of upset the realtor a little bit. I didn't tell her my aunt had referred me to put her on sure. as a thing. So all of a sudden, the house went for sale, and I saw the I, – I didn't see it yet, um, but it went for sale, and they had moved in. It didn't go up on – Zillow was just getting started at the time, so it took a little bit longer to update. Um, so I said to my father, I was like, oh, ask them how much they paid for it. Oh, I could never ask him that. Right. I'm like, it's going to be on right. Zillow in two months anyway. He's like, well, that's an insult to ask them how much they paid. I'm like, that it's public information. You can yeah. find this out. He goes, I can't believe you would even think about asking somebody how much they paid for a house. I'm like, are you serious? You know, different time, yeah. different yeah. different it's place. Funny, right? and, you know, it, where money always seemed to be a secret. So that really creates the haves and the haves not, nots, right? Yeah. Where no one wanted to talk about money, but money's a very important thing to talk about. Right. You know, money's good for the good that it can do in the world. And this is one of the things I love about what you guys are doing with the with the rent to own. That we need to start educating our kids at a very young age in the public school system. Yeah. To explain to them how do you manage money? How do you leverage money? What's debt? What's bad debt? What's good debt? Yeah. Because yeah. there is a difference. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like cholesterol. There's bad cholesterol and good cholesterol. Yeah. You can't have no cholesterol right. because that's how to, that's your body's not going to run cor- correctly, and you know that's the same way. Yeah, I went to college, and um, you know what do they do in college? I, I kind of got out of that, but um, you go to college. I'm going to get my mail, and they're in there, and hey, you want to sign up for a credit card? You get a T-shirt, you get a coffee mug. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. sure, let's yeah, do me it too. Yeah. And then I get the credit card and it says, oh, you have two thousand dollars. I'm like, oh, great, charge it up. Yeah. Oh wait, I gotta pay this back. Like what? Twenty four point nine nine percent. What do you mean I gotta pay it back? Yeah. How do I pay it back? I don't even know how to pay it back. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I'm being legit. I'm not. You know, yeah. I was very ignorant. No, I, I understand. No clue. If somebody had told me, do not sign up for these credit cards. You know, I probably would have you know known better. And I'm not sitting here playing victim. I'm not doing that at all. But I'm just saying is like, had somebody taught me that, I would have been yeah. a lot better off. I, I I got out a little better because my birthday's in October, so I wasn't 18 yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, over the course of time, I know that from a curriculum standpoint, we got to, like-minded people need to do something to try to help educate people as yeah. to what you, you can do, what you can't do, and what the right way is to manage everything. It's a critical part of our society, and it shouldn't be a secret. No, no. You know, my grandfather, um, he would sit us down um, every weekend, and he'd open the newspaper, and uh, he'd be like, oh, you see uh, Verizon, Bell Labs. Uh, yeah. He had different stocks that he would show us, and we would look at the, and for people listening that don't know, you used to have to check the stocks in the newspaper. It wasn't <laughs> readily available every five minutes. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so we would sit down every weekend and check the prices of the stocks and everything, and he's like, it's not always about the daily price of the stock. It's how much dividend you're getting. He's like, this is what a dividend is. Yep. So that was really my first interest getting into like the stock market, I literally had no clue how it operated. I had no clue what it was. I just knew that, you know, buying a stock was an ownership into a company. Sure. But he had taught us that. 
But then there was that huge gap of my own personal finances. Like, how do I get from where I am now to being able to buy a stock? And yeah. I had no clue. I just, I always came from the background of you have to work, you have to work hard, you have to put in your time, you have to, you know, if you put in your time and do and your funny. job. And it's such an old school approach too, because yeah. I, because I, I, I had the same thing. It's about how hard you work. Yeah. How hard can you work? Yeah. And you know, I, I, I said on a previous show, how much do you spend? Yeah. You know, how much do you save? How much do you do you make? Uh, okay, well, we're trying to work through that, but at the end of the day, it's about the grind, the yeah. grind, and it's uh, there's a smarter way to do it. Yeah, and to understand the whole picture from a financial literacy standpoint. Well, so I and just learning from real estate, from where I am now, and everything, I've taken on a new goal, uh, if you will, and I'm not going to say it's for 2023. I don't believe in doing New Year's resolutions, but taking on a new goal to create generational wealth. I want to be able to leave something to my kids and hopefully something to them. But, you know, I see all these kids like that I grew up with and everything. It's like their grandfather passed away and left them a building, left them, you know, houses yeah. where they're getting rent from. And, you know, they don't have anything to worry about. And I'm like, oh, wow. And again, I'm not complaining. I, I'm blessed where I came from. I am honored to have the parents that I had and yeah. teach me what I had, but I didn't come to that. I don't have that. I didn't, get that and you know i i wish that i did but at the same time i don't because i i think it would change where i am today sure if i did have that sure that makes sense yeah no, no it makes it makes perfect getting sense. a little deep here but <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense and you know and it's a balance with that you know what can you leave to your kids and at the same time keep them moving forward right yeah. grinding and understanding yeah. everything so i i'm going to kind of you know sum up how everything works and i'm going to ask you to, to give you contact information yeah, Rob, sure, so sure. people know how to reach out to you all right so the the algorithm finds a property then it goes to the team that goes and kind of does their due diligence making sure the property is worth what we think it's worth and then we have a contractor go out to the property to assess what the cost of repairs are we decide that this is a go as an investor, you would get a spreadsheet kind of breaking everything down mm -hmm. at that point. Mm -hmm. And then from an investment standpoint, you can make that investment. Typical investment's going to range between 50 to 80,000 to 50 to 80,000. Uh, but one point that we skipped is yeah. we don't, we don't get investors involved because of properties. We get them involved because of what we do and what they can make for Understood. it. So it's not, yeah. um, it's not like, oh, here's this mug. We're selling you this mug. Or we're not selling your property at 123 Main Street. It's kind of like if you give us X amount of money, you know, we can make you a certain amount of money. And then we take a 10% deposit. Once we get the deposit, we'll start looking for properties. For that person, we're always looking for properties. Got it. Um, depending on how much they give us. Some people, uh, I have an investor that gave us $5 million. So mm -hmm. we, you know, and I make it clear that it's going to take us a little bit to deploy this capital. But, you know. From the time we do, it's you know we'll 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 keep money in escrow, and for him we only keep a small amount. It's nothing sure crazy, just you know enough to so he knows it's serious, so that we know he's serious. Um, and then we send them properties. Understood. Um, so we have portfolios of properties. We give them basically what we're dealing with, how many properties we'll get, what his return will be, how long it'll take. You know, you mm -hmm. got to give them some idea. But um, as we come across properties, we send them the spreadsheets, and then they'll say okay. How much do you need for this one? How much do you need for that one? Got and it. So, so they're a client, and then you're actively searching. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah Okay. Yeah. Makes, uh, makes from time to sense. time, it'll be we have a property. Like if I'm in between investors, and yeah. you know we're getting ready to close on a property, it's like we're two weeks out. I need an investor for this property. Mm -hmm. I'll start showing it to people. But sure. for the most part, um, it's yeah, it's the general idea. Yeah. of the investment. makes sense. So the fixed rate of return seventeen and a half percent. 
go in next year, you do it for one year, you could do it for two years. Which, by the way, I think yeah. sometimes it hurts us because people are always like, well, that's why so if that's, much? Well, why so much? <laughs> right. Or is that all I could make? And if that's all, if, if I know that's all I can make, why would I do it? I'm like, well, do you make that anywhere else? The stock Her? market, yeah, <laughs> the stock market historically has only returned 8% a year. Yeah. Well, the last five years have been a lot more than that, but well, and I think that if these this market that we've seen recently in the stock market, it really speaks to the fact that you need to have some diversity, and real estate's a perfect hedge. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, for the market. Yeah, the and even if market. there is a slowdown in the real estate market, there's historically only been two times where there's been a pullback, and that was in the Great Depression and in what the Great Recession, 2000. Can you use IRA money? Uh, yeah. Okay. I actually set it up so that uh, you could use, it's more of a self-directed IRA. Sure. Uh, but we have a relationship with a company called Entrust. Uh, we had another one, but they're going for FINRA approval, so they're not taking on new investors okay. uh, that are outside of their investment thing, and we're a third party. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so yes, you can use uh, self-directed IRA money. And if investors have... Uh, a self-directed IRA, which, believe it or not, more people than I thought had it. I thought everybody had it at like a Schwab or TD, Ameritrade, things mm -hmm. of that nature. But no, a lot of people have self-directed IRAs mm -hmm. for this reason, to A, buy properties, buy uh, alternative assets and things of that nature. Great. And then to me, that what I like the mo love the most about it, returns great, all of that. It's that now, and we try to sell this property to somebody in a rent-to-own when we can, use some of that money of the rent they're paying towards their three and a half percent down payment, they will need to buy this house and, and own it yeah. down the line. That's, that's we, really great. Can we have you come on board and be a spokesperson for us? You keep. I'm a really good up. spokesperson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good yeah, at you're it. You're doing good. I'll go over it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're doing good. Hey, Rob, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you if they had any questions? Uh, so our website is uh, myom.com. It's M is in Mary, I is in India, O is in Oscar, Y is in Yankee. M is in Mary. I probably should say mirror image of your mind, and that would be a lot easier to say. But m i o y m dot com is one of the best ways. Okay. Uh, or you could simply call me, which I know a lot of people don't. But What's your cell number? Uh, 914-400-7980. They could hit you up on LinkedIn. They could hit you up on Facebook, Messenger. Yeah, you know, for 2023, I've kind of said that I'm trying to put the social media aside. LinkedIn, I'm always on. I what? am always on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, Instagram and Facebook, I'm trying not to because I found that uh, my son, uh, he has uh, some special needs. And uh, so like I'll come home and he's watching like YouTube and say, come sit with me, daddy. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to watch that. And then I'm sitting in my, you know, in the living room after sure. eat dinner and everything. And because uh, my wife and I are big on having family dinners and everything. That's great. Um, but I'll, I'll be sitting in the room and I'll just be on like Facebook or Instagram just scrolling. And my son's in there by himself. And I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, what? Yeah. What, what am I doing? And one person that I listened to was Jesse Itzler. Okay. I'm and not familiar. Like, when my kids, oh, I have a good story for him. Like, okay. Really good story. When my kids ask me to do something, I always do it. Right. I will never be too tired for my kids. And I'm just like, you know, why, why Same. am I saying, why, how am I to, he, 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 uh, you know, go New York, go New York, go, yep. um, that song, that's his song. He okay. had a whole sports music business. Okay. He pretty much started the sports music business. Um, he did a coconut water. I forget which one. It wasn't his, but he helped market it and bring it to the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, net, I think it's net jets. Uh, he sold off to Warren Buffett. Okay. Um, and he's married to Sarah Blakely of, uh, Spanx. And, mm -hmm. um, this guy is one of 
the most down-to-earth people you would know. Um, I read his book, uh, Living with a Seal for 30 Days. Okay. Or 90 Days. I forgot what. I think it's 30 Days. Uh, David Goggins was the SEAL that came in to live with him. Uh, Jesse Itzler ran a 50 or 100 mile race. So it's one of those crazy races. So he was running and he sees this guy running with a folding chair and crackers. And that's all he had, the whole 100 miles. Jesse Itzler had a whole team with him. They're driving with right. him. <laughs> they have a tent for him to sleep in if he needs to sleep, food, everything. This is how he right. says it. I'm not Massage making fun of him. Massaging his feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he even says it. that. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, and this guy has a folding chair, a lawn chair. Like, I think he described it as one of the fabric ones, nonetheless, yeah. the lightweight ones. Yeah. And he's eating Ritz crackers or saltines or something. I forgot what he said. And he's like, how is this guy doing this? And I'm sitting here with a whole team, and I could barely make it through myself. So he found out who he was, reached out to him, and he says, listen, I want you to come and train me. Uh, for This guy said no. And he goes, I'll only do it if, you, if every morning when we wake up, you have to do what I tell you to do. You can't say no. Right. Jesse goes, I'll do it. So he wrote this book, Living with a Seal. One of the, I could send you a copy. Yeah, I yeah, I'd love, love to read it. So um, I read this at a time. I just had shoulder surgery. I had a torn labrum. It uh, turned out I had a uh, torn bicep also. Uh, so the recovery was really tough. And I never realized how much you use your shoulder. Lo and behold, when you have surgery, you find that out real fast. Right. So, um, so yeah, so I read his book uh, and I was like, oh, man. Uh, there's one term he uses, and I don't know exactly how he uses it, but it's something like embrace the suck, something along those lines. Right. And it's like, go after the things that you hate most. If you don't like waking up early, start waking up early. Start mm -hmm. pushing yourself. If you don't like running, go run. Just run. Just do it. Don't don't even think about it. Just do it. So I started doing things like that. And, you know, my life uh, changed. I, like, got started getting aggressive. So then um, we were associated with this uh, children's hospital in Westchester. So I said, hey, I'm doing a fundraiser. Uh, I, I see you're in New York City. You know, um, would you come to the fundraiser? If there's any travel expenses, I'll take care of it. But just having you there would be more than enough. And he goes, I'd love to. I just reached out to him on, I think it was Instagram or Twitter, not too sure. And um, it's funny that I'm getting off of it. <laughs> uh, and he said, I'd love to, only I'm leaving today. And the thing was in a week or something. Okay. So then I get another message a day later, once he got back to, I think he was going to Georgia, where he lives. And uh, he uh, says, uh, he goes, hey, um, I kind of feel bad about that. Let me send you, how many people are you having? I was like, um, I think like 50. Sends 50 autographed Living With a Seal books. Because oh, I kind of gave great. a whole thing, like yeah. saying how it impacted my life immensely. Yeah. And uh, he's like, listen, I appreciate people like you. Not so he sent it and I gave it out and everyone, a bunch of my friends were like, yo, this is one of the greatest books I ever read. I go, right? I Great. Go, and I'm not the most educated person. So reading a book that that's easy to read. I, I, no, I'm with you. And I love what you said too with, with the kids. And really, if you think about it, if you don't have time to spend quality time with your kids, what do you have time for? Right, exactly. Like what's what more important? Tired? What, do you, what, do you, what are you tired for? And I'm speaking for myself. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm not saying anything, but what are you tired for? Oh, you had a long day at the office. We're not digging trenches. We're not, True. you know, uh, doing hard labor. And even if you do are d doing hard labor, give your kid 10, 15 minutes, 20 well, minutes a day. And they'll remember that for the, you know, rest and of ironically, that's the person who's probably coaching the kids basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, uh, Rob, give us your phone number one more time. Oh, it's a uh, 914-400-7980. Rob Costamaris. Thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. It yeah. was great. I wish you guys the best of luck on what, on what you're doing. And I want to thank everybody out there today. Again, this is Greg with Your Mortgage Process. Look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Your Mortgage Process, hosted by Greg Wareham, produced by Greg Wareham and Nick Pavise at The Social Rift, and executively produced by The Social Rift. 
Thank you again for tuning in, and we look forward to catching up with you next week.